Time is running out for the planet Earth. It's impervious to all voices. There's an intriguing sensation. It's a nuclear device. Fun, fun, fun! Yes, that's nice. Statistically speaking, of course, it's still the safest way to travel. It belongs to a creature from outer space. It's a bird! It's a plane! It's very important. It does not know you. It's a trap! Hi, everyone, and welcome to an all-new episode of Geek Shall Inherit. I'm Daniel Pickett. And I am Jason Lynch. Uh, I know. It seems like every week we're talking about Comic-Con, but it's just, it's, there's so much to get done ahead of time. I know. There's a reason that we're talking about Comic-Con. Yes, it's, it's it's coming around the corner. It is nerd burning, man. I mean, there's there's so much information coming out. It's just See, every single day there's new exclusives and new panels announced. I have always, just new... I have always let's 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 clear the decks here. Oh, uh-oh. You have, you have... Do I need to sound the sound the alarm <laughs> when when trying to explain describe what San Diego Comic Con is to folks that have never been and you know don't know and think that it's just a bunch of uh, chubby dudes, you know, with their waistline up to, you know, their nipples. Um, which, you know, let's be honest, there's a, a good portion of those guys there as, as well. But no, sure, I'll be there. I use certain terms to describe the place. You have said it's like nerd prom. I've never understood that term. I didn't say nerd prom. I said nerd burning man. No, that's what you said tonight. Um, Did I? Yes. But you've called it the nerd prom. Before, right. which I've never understood, and it must—I don't know if it came from you or someone else or what. Explain the logic underlying that conclusion, if you would, because you know most of the nerds didn't didn't get to go to prom, and and uh, prom implies that they they found a date to go to this thing. So so where does that term come from? Did you make it well, up? Well, it's just it, it it is something desirable. It is it is where all of your people go. Right. And it is an, an event to celebrate the year that was nerddom. The year that Much was. like your uh, prom theme when you were in high school was Love Bites. Uh, right. This, this uh, will be, we'll always be together. Got it. Unless, unless you're a zombie and I have to stab you in the face. So, so it's not so much about finding a date and, no. you know, all the sweet, sweet love that might get made. That's at, right. At prom, if you get someone drunk enough. I, I typically, uh, my wife coined the phrase nerd burning man, because I think that's more accurate. See, I always say like it... everyone, everyone can be there and do whatever they want, and you'll be filthy for a weekend and smelly, and then you'll have to go back to your life and have vague memories of what occurred. See, but again, I'm with you to a degree. Then I kind of step off and I go, well, now, wait a second. We don't have to get all smelly and dirty. That's just, you know. Well, you do. If you're going to go into the place, right? It's a thousand degrees in there it's, with all those. It's people. warm. It gets warm. Yes. And you're but just yeah, you're like going to get a little or being out in the dirt and the wind, where you really, truly, if you were to meet someone for dinner that night, you would stink to high heaven. It's not quite. Right. It's not quite that. See, I've always referred to it as the Nerd Can Film Festival. It's like it's like the nerd can like it's it's and and can you know isn't necessarily about all the films that are on offer. It's about the spectacle and the madness and where everyone goes to converge at one time. Uh, and it's less even about the product than it is about the hype and the madness 
and the publicity and everything else. Right. Um, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily find you know certain films, certain products at San Diego Comic Con. Um, that's why I, I, I clarify and say Nerd Can Film Festival, as if right. Uh, I, I, th- I thought it was. Uh, I heard an interview on the radio with uh, Robert Kirkman, actually. Oh yeah. Uh, of, of Walking Dead fame, uh-huh. and uh, the, the guys on the radio at the end were like, "Hey, you going to Comic Con?" And his quote was, "I wouldn't miss it. Can't say that I'm looking forward to it, but I wouldn't miss it." And was there a follow-up question like, "Now, what does that mean, Bob?" No, because the, uh, the the guys that were interviewing him go down and broadcast. It was Kevin and Bean. They go down and broadcast every year. So yes. They, they are familiar. Um, so, But you just assume that what Kirkman is referring to is is the madness from trying to get from A to B. Right. You know? And I'm sure, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's probably in demand there. Yeah. He's probably got a lot of stuff going on with signings and TV things and comic things yeah. and a he's also, Skybound booth. He's and, also recognizable. Like, yes. unless you have a pretty good idea who Mike Mignola is, you know, um, if you're if you're sort of a casual fan, you may not pick him out in a crowd. Someone right. like Kirkman, you see him once, you got a pretty good idea who this who this guy is. Speaking of, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you a quick little <clears throat> Comic Con story. Maybe we should do a couple anecdotes each episode before this, this kicks off. But this is a funny thing. Just to tell you just how the, the madness, and you'll appreciate this because of just how tight it is trying to get from A to B. And as you know, certain sections of the floor, you know, bottleneck. Oh, yeah. You know, it suddenly, then, then suddenly, it's just like, you know, on the freeway. Like, suddenly you can breathe and you go, what the hell was that about? There was nobody over there. Like, why did it all of a sudden? Um, I'm walking through. I think I might have told this story. I've at least told this story to you. I don't know if I've told it on air before. Um, 2008, could it be? Comic-Con 2008. Could it be? Could it be? And I'm walking, and I just, I don't know if I just all of a sudden see a few people milling about. It's near the Warner Brothers thing. And a guy, a Warner Brothers type guy, hands me a little ticket. And says, here you go, you want this? And I go, sure, sure. what's it for? And he goes, oh, uh, Zack Snyder is over here um, signing posters for Watchmen. And I was like, what? You're kidding me. Really? Right now? And I was like on my way somewhere else. But it just seemed like no one knew that he was there, really, or this was happening. Right. And the poster, you've probably seen it, is a, is a unique piece of art done by Dave Gibbons uh, for Watchmen to tie into the film. You know, the comedian getting punched. You just see a fist coming out punching the comedian. And it says the, the release date, 09. So this is a whole like year and a half before the movie comes out. Right. And it's a big poster. It's like the size of a one sheet. And there's Zack Snyder. I mean, I'm literally like the fifth or sixth person in line. There's nobody there. <clears throat> I get this thing signed. You know, I get up there and I have him sign it. Be seeing you, which is what Rorschach says over and over in the graphic novel. Right. Um, and I, you know, I had a quick thirty second conversation with him, saying, "I'm so excited about this movie. It couldn't be in better hands. I can't wait to see it." Then and he was really nice. We shook hands. But now I've got a, a poster. Now I've got a gorgeous, you know, smooth uh, one sheet that I have to get all the way back to the Entertainment Earth booth. And I can't roll it up because it's got fresh, um, you know, Sharpie, you know, that silver Sharpie or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I then take it and, and you know, not, not fold it in half, but curl it in half. Yep. So I'm holding it by the corners. <laughs> so I'm holding it by the corners as if I'm folding a, a bed sheet. 
And that's how I'm holding it, walking sideways through the convention floor to get to a booth. Remember that there's always a booth that sells like plastic poster tubes. Yes, they do. Yeah. I went, I I took me a half an hour and nearly getting bumped into by everybody imaginable to bring this poster there to get it, to get it finally dried and rolled up and, and took it home. Is it, is it framed in your home? It is not framed, but it's on the short list. We are, we are actually possibly getting some stuff framed this weekend, including my uh, Mondo Flash Gordon posters. Oh yeah. Yes. Very excited. Those those Mondo kids do a good job. They sure do. They know what they're they know what they're doing. I've I've yet they to do. see a Duff <coughs> Mondo. I've yet to see a Mondo poster and go, oh that sucks. Yeah. I wouldn't want that. Yeah. No. They. I've seen plenty where I've gone. What the hell is that supposed to be? But never like, you know that was a waste of time. Beautiful yeah. stuff. Anyway, um, we got a lot to cover in a very short amount of time. That's true. So let's get started with what you're excited about. People seem to really dig the the musical theme we had last episode. A little, you know, jokes, a little, little, a little asides, little songs. They don't like that. No, they they seem to dig it last week. Oh, they did like that. Especially yes. the, my coda, which is. Um, Everybody loves a good raspberry. And I think in honor of, of, of the Monty Python team, I'm going to do as many raspberries as I can in this episode. So but you have to say raspberries. Raspberries. Let's get started with what you're excited about. Uh, so this is actually, uh, this, this happened today. Today. Today to me. Uh, so we mentioned that I work uh, for a visual effects company now. And you know, getting getting to know people and, and things. You. And, and and a gentleman came into my office today looking for someone else, but uh, I I sort of knew who he was. Right. Uh, he's a, a man by the name of Tom Saint Amand. Tom Saint Amand. Yes. Yes. And uh, he has been in the visual effects industry for quite some time. Yes. Uh, starting out, you know, of the days of practical effects, and uh, I. I had looked him up on IMDb, and let me let me just throw a couple of films out and see if you've heard of them. All right. Uh, that, that, that's this gentleman worked on. Uh, the Empire Strikes Back. Uh, ooh, cl- refresh my memory. Is that is that a French film? Yes. All right. Uh, Dragon Slayer. Yes. E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Never heard of it. Return of the Jedi. Kind of familiar. Gremlins. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Gremlins, Doom. Gremlins, the documentary? Yes. Gremlins? Okay, I've seen that. Uh, Cocoon, Howard the Duck. Cocoon, true story. RoboCop uh, 1, 2, and 3. Now, and he's in the in the VFX department, is that what you're saying? Yes, so he did, he did a lot of stop motion stuff. So, like, he did uh, uh, stop motion for great. the Ed 209. Very cool. You know, all this stuff, like puppetry and stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, Rocketeer, Jurassic Park, Nightmare Before Rocketeer. Christmas. Rocketeer? Yes. One of my favorites. Yeah, but I mean, all the way up uh, episode one, Mighty Joe Young, Wild Wild West, Galaxy Quest, wow. the Time Machine. Yeah, the but that's Hulk. great. That's great to know that he's still that. Um, and I have no point of reference for this. I have no idea how this works. I could be making something up right now that doesn't re- exist remotely. But you know that um, a lot of professions there's turnover at a certain point. Even you know in the in the writing world in the screenwriting world, sure, yeah, you don't have yeah. a lot of you don't have a lot of sixty five seventy year old screenwriters out there you know yeah uh, active screenwriters so but it's nice to and I don't know if it's the same case with 
visual effects, but it's nice to see here's a fella that, you know, you're going back to late 70s, early 80s, a lot of the stuff you mentioned, and yeah. he's still working in um, the same field. And, and the thing is, he loves it. He just had, I mean, he stood there and talked to me for like a half hour. And he's just, you know, casually saying, oh, yeah, I was at uh, Phil Tippett's studio seeing Phil the other day and no. his daughter's working on this thing. And, you know, he's telling me stories about, you know, the first time he like mm -hmm. walked into the model shop and there was the Millennium Falcon. And uh, he, he told me about how he was heartbroken that he watched uh, after Nightmare Before Christmas, like the stagehands destroying all the sets and props with sledgehammers. Oh, man. Because someone thought that the crew would try and cast that stuff and like sell it off and, and things. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Just crazy stuff like that. But he was just, you know, a fountain of stories and just like, I'm like, yeah, oh, tell me more, tell me more. And, you know, he, he grew up as a huge fan of Harryhausen, mm -hmm. you know, looking at all that stuff and, you know, just literally like, that's what I want to do. Right. Loved all the, you know, the famous monsters, the universal monster stuff. And just, you know, he wanted to build monsters and he just devoted his life. Cool do that and puppetry and but it was just so i mean you know i'm i'm gonna see if i can go to lunch with them or something later oh, no, that's it's just great like, what, a, what a nice um you know what a nice surprise that you yeah. find out that this guy exists works there There's probably a bunch of guys like that uh, where you are now and um they takes the time to you know you know clearly know again is aware that you're uh you know into this stuff and the sheriff, but just what, that, what a very that's a, that's a really cool day. That's very cool. yeah. After all this time, to have such joy in it still, you know, it's not like yeah. looking back at like all the the late nights and the hey, we've got to get this done today and right, you know. But he was talking about you know back in the day of practical effects, it was like you really didn't know if it was going to work yeah until they put it on screen. You know, and it took so long. Yeah, I mean everything you talk about ED two on like all that stuff took so long. Yeah, you know, to get a finished. I don't know when you. I mean, it really is a new day, babies. Like the way that everything. I remember this that famous story of Spielberg <clears throat> trying to figure Jurassic Park out. You know how we're going to do. I mean, it's right on the cusp. You know, the digital stuff was happening, obviously, but now you've got something like a dinosaur. Can you? Are they going to be able to pull that off? And I think it was. I forget who was doing the test. Was it Ralston? Ken Ralston and Phil Tippett. Yeah, and it was, a, but it was a, it was a choice between. I'm just going to say Ralston. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm wrong, but whoever that was, purely digital, and then the, and the Tippet Creature Shop was kind of bidding to go. Well, we can do this, and they showed the Tippet stuff first, and then as soon as they showed the digital, Spielberg tells a story that he, everybody just sort of, it was unspoken in the room, and Spielberg just kind of turned to Phil Tippet and said, "Phil, I'm so sorry." You know, I'm so it's like and it, it, that was the moment that they knew it was never going to be the same. Well, it was interesting because he told this uh, told the story about Jurassic Park where they they had built the puppets, like they said, yeah. and used them almost as, you know, like the storyboard. Right. So they would know that it would need to be in, you know, in this position mm. by this frame. Right. And so they would pose it and take a Polaroid. So those became like the storyboards. Like we know we got to get to there by then mm -hmm. and there by then. So they sort of did still work in tandem with each other so that it would give the, the digital guys like a blueprint on, on what it needed to be. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I bet you could get some real good stories out of this guy. Oh yeah. Very cool. Well, that's, that's great. What a fun, yeah. <clears throat> what a fun uh, new, new, new friend to make on your way into, into Comic-Con. 
That's right. Well, speaking of uh, legends and legendary things and, you know, <clears throat> we're getting older. I hate to break it to you. Hold on a second. We're getting a little older, and you know we are, we we actually both have birthdays this month. We do, and I know that I can I tend to ramble sometimes. I'm trying to, uh, you know, clarify my thoughts and what I'm trying to say, what I'm about to say, what I'm trying to say, and I'm not trying to be funny about this. You know, Harrison Ford broke his ankle on the set of the new Star Wars film, allegedly on the set of the Millennium Falcon, when a door fell on him or something. <clears throat> the layers of irony involved with this uh, are too sad to even go into <laughs> that we waited so long and this thing happened and it's like, really? A practical thing and it, whatever? What's it going to mean? How is it going to... But more than that, it tells you that, you know, Harrison Ford isn't 32 anymore. He's not, you know, things happen. I mean, I'm not saying that at 32 he would have healed any differently or better necessarily, whatever, but he is 72 years old. Or he's going to be 72 in a couple of days. Uh, Paul McCartney is going to be at, <clears throat> we're getting tickets, you know, Dodger Stadium. He's, he's 72. Um, well, he just had to reschedule a bunch of stuff. Too. Again, not clarifying what this illness is, but he had something happen. Uh, and, and along those same lines, um, the Monty Python team, what's left of the Python, the five remaining Pythons that uh, have been talked about since December, January, whatever it was, they were going to do these nine dates, 10 dates, at the O2 Arena in London, and it really is their swan song. This is they, they may pop into each other's things here and there, but the fact that they're all in their early 70s, <clears throat> I think Palin, Palin is like 70 or 71. Cleese is 74 already. And, yeah. but, but for sure, they are never going to you know, all be in the same room again, so to speak. They're never going to have something like this again. And it made me think that, like, you know, we're, we're that generation that, you know, Sort of grew up with a lot of this stuff, but we were just on the cusp or we did, a, you know, a good chunk of it we did actually grow up with and we were there for it. And then some of it we just missed, but it, it you know, things like Star Trek, we weren't there for the first run, but it's a huge part of our childhoods because of, you know, the syndication and all that stuff. But it's that old thing about the rock and roll scene where it's like, you know, for someone like Bob Dylan, you go, well, when is he supposed to hang it up? I don't know. There was no, there's no retirement plan. There's no... This is how you do it before Dylan. Do you know what I'm saying? Sure. So, yeah. so there's no. We can all say, well, you shouldn't be prancing around like a, you know, like a 19 year old. You can still get on stage and do stuff. But the fact is, besides all the financial stuff, besides all the reasons to do this stuff, there really is no sell by date. There's no way to know. I mean, as long as you can still hit the notes and people are going to show up, how do you know what the cutoff is for some of this stuff? And you know, watching some of the footage of the Pythons do these sketches, and I'm not saying anything negative here. I would kill to be there to see this stuff. But you very, very quickly realize it has been 30-some-odd years since they've performed together live on stage. That's a hell of a long time to, to not, you know, to have a memory of a voice or physicality or just physically what these people look like the last time you saw these sketches, to now, yep. it's very jarring. It's very strange. Um, having said that, it's, it's, I'm hugely nostalgic, and it's, and it, but it's also wistful, not only that I'm not there, but that you know, these things are going to start to happen more and more for us. You know, um, yeah, I think you know what I'm trying to say. I mean, uh, totally. Yeah, you yeah. know, that, that one day, 
we are going to, you know, CNN is going to be on at eight in the morning, or whatever. And Harrison Ford will have will have will have died. I mean, they were talking about, you know, Idol was talking about this in a, either in a, a press conference or in an article I read online. You know, of course, being very darkly, you know, humorous about it because the name of the show is uh, One Down, Five to Go, or something like that. But as a oh, as a very real possibility, they had to talk to the insurance companies about. God forbid, but what if something should happen? What if yeah. midway through this run, one of us dies? How would we do that? And, it's, and it, it, you know, it's not something that would need to be discussed 30 years ago. Never, right, sure. But now it does. So, um, so I've been thinking about those guys, uh, obviously, all week. Every time I get on the Internet, something about the Pythons, it makes me very nostalgic. My own mortality, the, j- just how just how far back this goes. You know, like you were talking about, we can talk about this because we're these addicts. You know, we're these pop culture freaks and addicts. Well, we can talk about the first Star Wars experience or the first, you know, whatever. But we can go further back and go the first musical connection or whatever. And it wasn't necessarily a musical connection. You know, it wasn't Benny Goodman or whatever. It wasn't a connection that was already gone before we showed up when we were seven, eight years old. If it was someone that we were into, like a McCartney, well, then I was just as keen on his stuff, you know, with Wings as, you know, the Beatles stuff. And what I meant was, he, you know, he still was capable of putting out new songs and new material and a new yeah. single. Same thing with Paul Weller. So when I get Weller's new stuff, I think about just how far back I go with his stuff, with the jam, you know, at 12, 13 years old. And then another band, the Style Council, and then to his solo. So I've been with this guy since, you know, for 34 years and everything he does. And then one day these things are going to get taken away from us. And I know I'm rambling, but it's, I think you know what I'm saying. It makes me I do, yeah. very, very nostalgic. And with the Python stuff, if it was, you know – Getting it and repeat, you know, getting it on public television, then getting it in repeats, then taping it on VHS, then eventually buying the VHS, you know, scouring the Twin Cities used record stores to get all the albums, you know, um, transferring those onto cassette, eventually getting those on CD. I mean, pre-internet, a lot of this stuff was mythical. You couldn't just walk down the street and find live at Drury Lane, the live record from '72. You know, there was no internet, so. So it's just a lot of history, and um, I wish I could be there for, for this. And uh, but it is it is the end of of a of a thing, even though it's been asleep for a long time. They're not going to do this again, and it's it's over. So um, you know who was there last night? Who was at the show last night? Yep, Tom Hanks, Ralph Garman, Steven Spielberg. Oh, was he? Oh, yeah. good for Garman. They're over there. Uh, I guess they did their Hollywood Babylon podcast and some stuff over there. So. Uh, yeah, he was posting pictures, and he was like, I don't know, it seemed like 10th row back center. Uh-huh. I mean, he had great seats. Very cool. He was posting pictures. But uh, while while they were there, I guess Kevin Smith yeah, yeah. visited the set. Don't get me started on that. Of episode seven. Never has more smoke and mirrors been, you know, like, why, why is that, why does that guy get the key to the city? Why? Why? I asked. What's wrong? What's wrong with him? What's wrong with yeah. Well, well, we'll dedicate an episode. Let's let's go back. Let's go two steps back. Something that I'm very excited about along those same lines where we were talking about, you know, the Marvel world, the DC world, the Star Wars world. So many of these choices being made in the Marvel and the Star Wars film worlds. 
you know, we're getting more and more excited about. There's not a lot that I'm hearing that I'm going, oof, that could be tricky. And the newest announcement, I mean, the really significant announcement besides Ford getting injured and the two new women in the cast, is Ryan Johnson being signed on, not just for one, but for the next two films. Yeah, yeah. They signed him up. Now, what that probably says is uh, Abrams never had intended to do three movies. He was always just going to do one and get the hell out of there, basically. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting. But I happen to really like this Ryan Johnson guy. I love Brick, uh, the first movie he did. I remember seeing that because I read about it, you know, the weekend that it came out. Absolutely adored this movie. Um, Brothers Bloom I thought was okay. It wasn't terrible. And I really like Looper. I don't think it's perfect, but it's got – it's still brimming with wonderful ideas. More so – And great design. Great yeah. design. Very nonchalant about um, the future and what it might look like and the things that happen there. Um, and again, it's not perfect, but it's got more, you know, chutzpah and imagination and everything else than 90% of what comes out. So I love that that's the guy that, that's, that's been chosen to, you know, to take over um, and, and, and is entrusted with this because they clearly think this is a guy that, that cares about stuff and is smart. Um, do you, are you excited about his, him being chosen? I am. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of, you know, I'm not sure they could afford J.J. Abrams to be able to do all of them because uh, just I've heard tell not not a number what they offered him to do it, but it was that sort of life-changing money, you know. I think, was the I think they could have come up with it. I think it has more to do with him, and I can't for the life of me understand this, but I think it has to do with spending the next decade of your life, you know, being fined yeah. by this in, in the U.K., Maybe yeah. not wanting to not wanting to do it, but um, having said that, well, like I said, you know, all along with Abrams, it was never a name that got mentioned that I went, oh, that's a terrible idea. Oh, he's right. that guy. On the other end of the spectrum, I was never like, oh yeah, Abrams. It was more like, oh, good, that's in good hands. He knows what he's doing, and he's got a good eye. And for God's sake, he couldn't make it worse. So there's not much to this. Now, when I see a name like Ryan Johnson, that's when I go, well, this guy, this guy has a style. Even though it's been different each time out, he's, there's a lot more going on there, I think, more interesting. Um, so I, I think it's a really interesting choice uh, to get this guy. And it's kind of Which, again, it's, it's, just, it's just interesting that, I mean, we've had a lot of announcements yeah. about directors and cast and people writers and, uh, and uh, yeah all that and in, not one in, of them we've all not one of them have we gone ooh that's a mistake you're right no no it's just and that's unheard of for such a fussy audience that is so protective and got so burned yeah you know, well, i think that's perfect. over the past two decades i think that's part of it too and i know i make jokes about it but it's like somebody asked me a couple weeks ago at dinner with uh, another couple and he was picking my brain about the new Star Wars and how much did I care? And, this, and I basically, you know, half jokingly was saying like, all he's got to do is show up. <laughs> That's all he's got to do is have a good script, get everyone to hit their marks and can show up because the taste that's in our mouths now is no longer the nostalgia and the wonder of those original movies. It's the, it's the flotsam and jetsam that we got as a follow up. So yeah. all you have to do is not, be in the same zip code as those three and you're already on your way 
That's true. You know, he, he's he's got guy he can't lose. If he if he, if the script is mediocre, he can't lose. You know, it's it's still because there's no way humanly possible it could be worse than. You know what I'm saying? Like, like well, yeah. I mean, you know, even you episode I one, two, and three were terrible, and they did just fine. You always make fun. You joke about like I am the you. You can see it the trailer, or you can see the thing, whatever, and go, oof, I can't do that. I have this morbid fascination where it's like, no, I gotta sit through it so I can go, well, let me tell you why I hate this person. And I can, I can, you know, have something to sort of, you know, um, back it up. <laughs> there are certain things in life that people can go, yeah, well, you don't know, nah, but you don't know. It's like, no, I don't need to, you know, put a gun to my head to have an idea what it's going to feel like, you know, whatever. Um, with this stuff, you you do just kind of go, no, there's just no way. There's there's just there 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 just doesn't seem to be a way it's humanly possible for these new films to be as bad as what came before. I just it can't it can't. I hope you didn't just jinx us. I there's no there's no way you, there's no way you could even jinx it. There's just there's no, absolutely a way. There is no way. There's no way on God's green earth because those things fail. So spectacularly in every way imaginable, in every fucking category, from opening crawl to f- fucking CG effects, there's just no way. There's no way that it's going to be on par or worse. Having said that, um, they're, are they still talking about they're, – they're, they're okay at this point, right? They're saying that the Ford thing is going to get moved back like six weeks but he should be fine, and they won't have to move the release date, right? I think so. Apparently, people have seen him like hobbling around town. So I saw some pictures of him in London, yeah. with a, a special device on his leg or something. Yeah. Okay. So enough, enough Star Wars. We'll move on for a bit here. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Speaking of Star Wars, yes. Um, <laughs> the merchandise is finally starting to hit, and I got to say, I'm mildly addicted to some of this stuff. I wasn't going to get anything but the Marvel Legends stuff. Right. Which I ordered, you know, well ahead of time, and then I saw those little itty bitty dinky little figures. The two point five inch. Figures. I love them. I yep. I think they're adorable. I love them. And what's more, I love the ships. I got all three of the ships. I haven't seen the ships in any of the stores yet. The ships are you. You must be familiar with a guy called Chris Foss. Yeah. Sci-fi uh, uh, illustrator he used to do uh-huh. loads of dust jackets in the 70s. These ships remind me of, of some of his stuff. Oh, okay. The, 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 the design, yeah. the coloring, they're really unique vehicles. Obviously, they're in the film, but Hasbro has, I think, done a wonderful job of, you know, translating, making these things. Uh, however, between, I think, Target and Toys R Us, the only place I've seen this stuff, and, and of all the different spots, maybe three Targets, two Toys R Us, no one just has it all. You know, right. I mean? you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Target's got these three items. Toys R Us has these five. This one over here has six. This one's got two. Like, they don't seem to be getting all the stuff. You know? Right. Yeah. And what have you picked up? Uh, so I picked up, all, uh, of course, all the Marvel Legends. I got those ahead of time before they were in brick-and-mortar stores. Yeah. Uh, but then I I've all, I picked up the whole set of the 2.5 guys. I haven't opened them yet, but I have them all. They're so fun. Yeah. They're so much fun. And and um, and I've I've played with all the little you know squeeze their legs and they have an action and then the yeah the talking things you know I've messed with those in the store. I'll tell you what's the most fun of the little uh, figure sets. They're 
are two different versions of Star-Lord. Right. Um, and the one that has the long coat, the little, the uh-huh. little baby one, yeah. it's so fun because the coat, the little piece that's from the waist down, you can, you can unattach from the figure. Oh. And he just looks like he's wearing the shorter length leather jacket and trousers. Okay. It's just kind of it's just it's just that little bit that kind of puts it over the top, like a nice little <laughs> a nice little move that I think is 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 really fun. Even the um the larger figure, you know those those limited articulation like $10 I forget yeah. what they're called. Even that is cool because it's still got Did you hear that? Was that a gunshot? Wow, that sure sounded like a gunshot. Gee whiz. Wow. Uh, but we are close to the 4th of July. Oh, that's <laughs> true. Very strange. That's true. Um, anyway. Oh, I'm, my, I'm bleeding through my chest. No. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> Colonel Mustard. Let me just get to the rest of the show. <laughs> um, what are you saying? Um, the little figure. Oh. You were talking about the $10 guy. Even the $10 one. The, the the gun that comes with the figure is not molded into his hand. It's, oh, okay. it's a loose accessory, and yep. the legs move. It's not like a big, long... The long coat restricts the movement. The, the coat is molded onto the legs, and it still has that articulation. I just think they did a really nice job with these things. Yeah, they're fun. They're fun. It's a fun line, and I love the, the little... So have you, have you picked up the laser gun yet? I know you love laser guns. I did pick up the laser gun. I am very oh. disappointed... That, what? That it, no, that it does not make noise. Oh, I thought it was electronic, really? No, it does not make noise. It has a movement feature, which is cool, but it does not make noise. And it should, because the sound effects... Here, here's, you know, we've talked about this before. I think you've talked about it in certain toys that you sort of <clears throat> are surprised by. Oh, look, it does this, too. I didn't know this. Like, there's a sonic screwdriver that um, came out a couple years ago that Underground did. And it's it's one of the new like Matt Smith kind of things, and what you know it just tells you in the instructions like you know press this or you know flip it this way and whatever. What it doesn't tell you is depending on how many times you press the button down, you get like nine different sound effects. Hmm. And so you, if you go one two three four and hold it on four, you get a brand new sound, five right, right up to like nine times. Okay, so this the the large uh, ship the Milano ship for Guardians of the Galaxy. You press a, this black button, and it makes like three different sound effects. But what it doesn't tell you is when you, when you hold the button down, it makes a completely different sound effect of like laser fire and stuff. Huh? Just, just little things like that, I think, are really fun um, yeah. to, to do that. And they, they, really, they really went the, the distance. I think it's a, a, fun, a fun line. I also picked up a couple of – I only found a couple. I didn't really care. The Infinite series – you know, those new, um, you know, the She-Red Hulk. Oh, okay, yeah, the what replaced Marvel Universe. Yeah. Um, yeah. I found the Steve Rogers and the new Thor. Oh, okay. It's kind of a cool Thor. You yeah. Know, a big old beard and a big old helmet, you know? Kind yeah. Kind of a fun figure. Uh, pick those up. So, so for me, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, I got tickets to see that 17-minute preview. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's cool. So it's on the on the IMAX on the IMAX, IMAX the kids preview. are going crazy about. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to Speaking that. Speaking of, um, this is showing up the street, and I was going to go, but I thought, do I need to? I've seen it before. 50th anniversary, Hard Day's Night, the Beatles' first motion picture directed by Richard Lester, is yep. showing up at the silent movie theater 
on Fairfax. Oh, cool. Uh, but it also just came out a week ago on uh, Criterion Blu-ray with you know loads of extra features and, and stuff. This is about – I think this – oh, they're shooting again. Did you hear that? I did hear that. <laughs> Apparently he's not down. It's, Stay down! <laughs> um, they, um, I think if I do the math, this is my 87th time that I've owned A Hard Day's Night. Wow. A different format, I think. Um, I remember getting A Hard Day's Night on VHS when it had a little music video they put together for the 82 theatrical release Okay. Uh, that they added to the beginning of the movie before the credits even rolled. I had that. You know, back when VHS, like the VHS tape itself weighed like seven pounds. Oh, Do yeah. Do you remember those? Yeah. Early rentals and stuff. Do you remember those enormous boxes they came in yes. too before they just did a sleeve? The sandwich thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, even before that, they were like in a big box in a tray. Inside. Yeah. yeah. So you, you opened the box and then, and then like in the middle of the box, it's, it rested. It sat. Right. Yeah. yeah. MGM did that. Most of the MGM stuff was like that. And then, the, um, then of course, there was the big sandwich, the yeah. big plastic, which many years later, uh, Maddie replicated to the nth degree for their Watchmen line. That's right, they yes. said, let's see how we can uh, just send the earth to shit as, po- as quickly as possible by, by just wasting plastic and make this uh this packaging that makes no sense what but you're not going to waste it because it, uh, you put them all end to end and they make a little thing right no you don't if you have people in your life that love you and care right. about your sanity you, you uh-huh. don't you just can't do such oh. such things um all right so star wars hey real quick i gotta tell you this yeah. uh we had we had a gentleman write in today we did. on the on the facebook page and you yes. and i did yes we did Scott, Scott McEachin. Scott Mahu? McEachin. God bless you. Uh, who's local here in, in L.A.? Yeah, what did he say? What did he uh, say? He said, attention, Jason. Oh, no. So it's calling you that's, out. That's not a good start. Tuesday at the Landmark Theater in L.A., George Lazenby Q&A. Oh, yeah, for Majesty. The Landmark Anniversary Classic Series continues with the 45th anniversary screening of on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Oh, man. Thanks for the tip. Yes. Yeah, it's funny. I got to interview Lazenby once on camera. I wasn't on camera, but he was, about Matt many, many, many years ago. And that was one of those, you know, pinch me moments. And might I add, it was also at a time in the mid-90s, mid to late 90s out here, when the world collectively still, he was still a joke. I mean, he still is to a lot of people because he's that one Bond. But for those in the know, and I know you aren't because you, you have, you're not, you're not a Bond fan. Or you don't watch these movies. On Her Majesty's Secret Service really is one of the top five or six Bond films ever made. Had Connery done it, it probably would have ended up being the best in the entire series. And Lazenby, having never acted a day in his life, is just fine. He does a fine job. He's not... You know, he's not Keanu, for God's sake. And right, it's, a, right. it's a wonderful movie. Um, so for those of you that haven't seen it, please see it immediately. And if you can see it in L.A. with Lazenby, you should. Because, like I said... Yeah, because he's going to do a Q&A Yeah, afterwards. and these guys are not going to be around uh, forever. I once knew a guy who knew a guy that was friends with Malcolm McDowell. And there's many... This, again, you know, I've been out here a long time now in L.A. And I forget what the connection was. See, I became friends with the guy that was on one of the Star Trek shows. 
um, his name, well, his name now is Alexander Siddig. Uh-huh. We became uh, buddies. And Malcolm McDowell is his uncle in, okay. in real life. Somebody arranges, I forget how, we all went to the new Beverly for a screening of A Clockwork Orange with Malcolm McDowell. And there was a Q&A afterwards. But I'll tell you, one of the single coolest moments of my, quote, industry life or being out here, whatever, was sitting, getting to sit next to Malcolm McDowell through an entire screen, screening of A Clockwork Orange. And the two, oh. the two coolest moments were, one, when you, know, the, you really got a good look at his hair for the first time without wearing a hat in the film. And he turned to me and he said, the Beatles have got a lot to answer for, don't they? <laughs> and then the next one was, you know, of course, Dave Prowse is in yes. Clockwork Orange. Yes, he is. So as soon as he shows up, Malcolm just turned to me and he said, that's Darth Vader. Just <laughs> <laughs> very kind of quiet, like, that's Darth Vader. Like, how cool is that? Nice. That was a nice thing. So, you know, these guys, they're not going to be around forever. If you can see such things, please do. I also got to see, I think I told you this before, Edgar Wright, he does a festival out here at the New Beverly, the Wright stuff. He's, oh, Ant-Man director Edgar Wright? Sorry? Ant-Man director Edgar Wright? X. Oh. Edgar Wright. Oh. He, uh, and he, he, he ran Flash Gordon. Not only did he run Flash Gordon, he got Timothy Dalton to show up because they had just done Hot Fuzz together. Oh, yes. So Dalton did a Q&A afterwards uh, and talked about how Edgar Wright begged him to grow, quote, the Prince Baron mustache yes. for, for Hot Fuzz. Um, stuff like that. It's very cool to be in L.A. to be able to do such, uh, such things. Uh, now, have you been on the Facebook page in a while? I, you know, I haven't. Facebook um, is kind of freaking me out these days. I'm, I'm really keeping my distance. But I, every I now and then like I, try to, I try to see what's going on with, with our stuff. Is that, is that what you mean? Right. Yeah, did you get to see the picture I posted of Jack Kirby and Paul McCartney yes, together? I did. I did. Because it's funny because I saw it and then I was trying to dig up the actual drawing that Kirby did. So in that in that photo, he's presenting McCartney with a drawing that he did. Okay. Because McCartney and Wings on the now am I going to get this wrong? Either the Venus and Mars record or Red Rose Speedway, they have a song called Magneto and Titanium Man. Yes. Early 70s. Now remember, you know, it's not like you were going to get your ass kicked if you said you dug comic books. But for McCartney to write a, a – even if it's not a good song, to write a song acknowledging how cool comic books were in the early 70s, people forget just how counterculture a lot of that stuff was and how Kirby and Stan Lee and these characters were so in the zeitgeist on you know college campuses and stuff. Might have had a tiny – Tiny bit to do with illegal substances. I don't know. Right. Right. I don't want to. I don't want to go casting aspersions. But uh, you know, Silver Surfer. Let's face it, is a lot better when you're effed up on ketamine. You know, uh, run, running down the K hole. Um, anyway, um, so he writes this song, and then you know, they arrange this famous story for Kirby and his family to go to the um, the, the the Wings show. And this is 1976. Is it L.A. or was it New York? Do you remember that, that picture? I don't know. I think it was Madison Square Garden. No, no, it was L.A. It was a Los Angeles show. And arranged tickets for Kirby and his family. They meet backstage, and he presents him with this drawing where McCartney, Linda, and the rest of the band are sort of floating in space. 
dressed as superheroes. You know, the Wings band is dressed, you know, Kirby drew them as, as superheroes. Okay. Yeah, very cool. Very, very, nice. very cool story. Magneto and Titanium Man, yes. Um, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, couldn't be happier about that. Back to Marvel, batting a thousand with the shit they're doing. What a great idea. Love that guy, and it's a great idea for him as Kingpin. I don't know how they're going to do it exactly, but God bless him. Did you see any of Penny Dreadful? Uh, yeah, we watched it all. Oh, you did? So yeah. you saw the uh, the finale? Uh, we did, yes. I really dug that finale. Lots of, yeah. lots of unanswered questions. Yes. Lots of weirdness, but, you know, it's only eight episodes, and we know it's coming back, so uh, I hope they keep... What kills me is just how... Because uh, I talked to Alex about this, because as a you know writer, you know co-creator, it's like, well, what do you think about this? I mean, at the end of the day, this really is a riff on the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Totally. There's no two ways about it, and it's even yeah. it's 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 beyond obvious where it's like, you not only th- you mean I mean, Dalton Sir Malcolm is essentially the Alan Quartermain character, yeah. and in the friggin' movie, Quartermain was played by Sean Connery, the first Bond. Right, and that was yes. being played essentially the same character by Timothy Dalton, another Bond. Um, and it's being written by, you know, and, oh, speaking of, oh, I don't know if I can say this. Uh-oh. I'm sure you can. <laughs> if you can't, we'll just edit it out. We'll put in a long beep. Um, well, you know, we have the license for Penny Dreadful. Yes, you do. You showed two figures at, uh, at Toy Story. Yes, and we're going to have tar- these tarot cards as well. And more interesting things that we're working on right now. Uh, but there are going to be some surprises at the Entertainment Earth booth regarding uh, Penny Dreadful. All I'm going to say is I'm pretty sure John Logan is going to be there, creator, writer, and uh, that has got me very excited in itself. Maybe do a seance? I'd love that. turned out well for everyone, right? Yes, and we can keep it family-friendly, a family-friendly seance down at at Comic-Con. Um... Yeah, so that that's happening. Other things are happening. As we get closer, I'll tell you more about that. Um, speaking of all things British, lots of shots coming out of Peter Capaldi, on-set shots of him as the Doctor. Yes. And all I keep thinking... And a, like a little teaser video, too. Yes, a tiny teaser. All I keep thinking is, my God, are you channeling John Pertwee, uh, the third Doctor? I mean, even the way he's standing is a riff on, on the way Pertwee would stand in publicity shots. Yeah. So there's something there. I, I almost, as a theory, you could go, well, what if he doesn't really know who he is? What if the little teasers we're sort of getting is, is kind of factual of him going, I really don't know what I'm supposed to do or who I am exactly. And what if, right. what if he, the CD has a, you know, a skip in it or something, and he's going back to you know, track three, which was his persona as the third doctor or what if we see more like you know it's not just him what if we see other ones you mean other other outfits and other personalities and such correct yes i mean because it sounds crazy but i'm looking at some of these pictures and it's like guys practically wearing a cape (laughs) and that's what pertwee wore you know uh it's interesting you know did you see that uh Titan is, has got a T-shirt that looks like his outfit. No, I haven't seen it. Com- it's one of their Comic-Con exclusives. No, but I did pick up a recent um, Kickstarter sort of T-shirt. You know, those whole, that whole um, 
keep calm and blah, blah, blah. Yep, yep. It's got the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy's thumb you know, on the top, and it says keep calm and, and uh, carry a towel. Nice. Uh, and it was a Kickstarter thing. So that, that just turned up <clears throat> the other day. That's a fun little, fun little piece. Let's see. What should we? What do you want to hit real quick? We got a few more things we got to hit, and then we got to. So I definitely want to talk about. Uh, my wife and I went and saw Chef this week. Oh, don't tell me that I'm dying to see this movie. I it's so it is the it really is good. it is the new uh, John Favreau film. Yeah. And uh, you know, there's a lot of good films coming out this year. You know, really like Captain America. Yeah. There's a lot of things. Highly anticipated. I went into this with sort of, you know, midline expectations. I had just heard a really good interview podcast with John Favreau. I was like, well, that sounds really interesting. Uh-huh. You know, really talking about kind of his background because he started in comedy in Chicago and and uh, as of right now, that's my film to beat this year. No kidding. It's fantastic. Now wait a second. Last week, you were, as the kids say pooping your pants over how to drain your dragon too. Right. You said it was fantastic. That is a good the movie. one to beat. You said no, I didn't say as that. Of today, no. how to train your dragon 2 is the one to beat. I, I didn't Verbatim. say that. That's what you, I didn't say exactly that. Exactly what you said. You said That's not at all. I just should, said it's a very very good God movie and dead. it's beautiful. Should I no. go back on that? Nope. Let's go to the tape real quick. Anything is better. I just happen to be married to the editor. All right, she can so, tell you what it says. So you think, are you saying it's better than How to Train Your, your Dragon 2? Absolutely, yeah. It, and what's interesting about it... Uh, Careful. It's, no, no. It's, a, it's, it's so well done. And, and you know, he has this uh, background in, in uh, you know, like the Del Close improv uh, sort of thing where it's shoot for truth and comedy comes later, nice. you know. You'll get there. Nice. Everyone in it, and it's a remarkable cast. Everyone in it is so truthful; it almost doesn't feel like a film. Have you ever seen Made? Oh yeah. See, people, and I thought Swingers was great too. Don't get me wrong; I really mm-hmm. enjoyed Swingers. I think Made is brilliant. Yeah. Because what you're talking about right there, and if you look at the outtakes on Made, you're just like, I don't know how these people did this because it's it's it never lets up. Every scene is just this. You know, pushing harder and harder to get to these these characters' insanity or his, you know, the, the annoyance of, you know, what Vaughn's character is. Um, yeah, it's got it's got John Leguizamo in it, who I I don't really enjoy. Yeah, I can take him or leave him. He he kind of bugs me. Yeah, he's incredible in this. He's so grounded and so great. Yeah. It's got Sofia Vergara in it, not playing a character. Not playing that heightened thing that she does everywhere. Yeah, and isn't Scarlet in it too? Scarlet is in it. Yep. What about that yep. movie? That one where she's like a crazy woman. That's Lucy. That looks cool. Yeah, I'd see that. So, Chef, uh, if, if it's not in a city near you, get in your car and drive to find it. Wow. Okay. It's it's really really just charming and and hits on a lot of nerve you know a lot of a lot of it's funny that you bring it up because we're making plans for the whole week last weekend we were out of town this weekend it was we're going to be here let's make a bunch of plans let's go to this place to eat let's go over here to look for a piece of furniture let's go to see the movie let's go to the movies because we haven't done that in a while let's make a list of what for top of my list was snowpiercer uh okay chris evans uh thing about the train yep number two was chef and then 
distant third, some other stuff. I don't know how this happened, but a choice was made. And today was our day to go see a movie. We may go to another one. Maybe we'll see Chef on Saturday or something. Um, so today we went and saw a film called The Devil Made Me Do It. No. <laughs> you sound like you just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. What's it called? The Devil Made Me Do It? That's not it. That sounds idiotic. What the hell was the movie called? I don't know. What did you the see? One that, that, that was, that just came out with um, Eric Bana. Oh, it was like... And Joel you know, McHale. Yeah, like Speak No Evil or something like that. The Devil Made Me Do It. <laughs> uh, that's like something on a t-shirt from the 70s. <laughs> like, Don't Eat Yellow Snow. Deliver Us From Evil. Deliver Us From Evil. Not... I knew it had evil in Not it. Not The Devil Made Me Do It. Right. That was a that was a Russ Meyer film, I think. That's coming much later. In the late 60s. Ugh. Anyway. <laughs> and? Well, you know, the thing is, we're so used to watching things at home these days as, 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 as a race, as a people. We're so used <laughs> yes. to instantly watching this thing or renting this thing, and it's the effort to go from the car, you know, three minutes down the way to a red box to press a button to get the thing. If you end up being disappointed, you can stop it halfway. You can finish and go, eh, you know, eh, you know, buck 45, eh, you know, eh, it's all right, you know. Yeah. When you got to get in a car and actually go and fight the pe- and get the thing and spend the $15 or whatever, and it's a bad movie, you really fucking notice it. Right. We're at a point now where we're just going, oh, shit, we can't leave. Like, we can't. This isn't just turn the thing off and let's see what's on, on cable. We're stuck here. It was bad. It was so You're bad. not stuck. You can still leave the theater. Yeah, but you spent the money. There's, there's not the, armed guards. Ugh, we just we stuck it out. We had to finish the damn thing. That's where you just go into another theater. Oh. Go, what, what's playing next? And it looked, it looked interesting because the trailer was really creepy. Right. People, you know, walking on all fours and making funny sounds and... You know, monkeys going crazy and stuff. It looked it looked interesting. It was now don't 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 spoil it because I think people are still going to see it. But did they get delivered from the evil? Well, I can't tell you that. Oh, okay, all right. I can't tell you that. That's that's like the the cliff the season ender on um, Penny Dreadful. Did the devil make them do it? Wasn't that an odd sort of fade to black Penny Dreadful where it was like, what an interesting odd sort of wrap up. Where she's she's coming to the guy for comfort, the priest, and saying, "You got to help me. I'm miserable." Yeah. He kind of goes, "You sure you want to do this?" Yeah. You're kind of you know it's kind of fun. You sure? Screen goes black. Very interesting. Um. So there's that. Oh, they're shooting. <laughs> now they've got a someone got a Tommy gun. <laughs> Rapid fire. Rapid fire. The dogs are going. Oh. Fourth of July in LA is a magical time. Yes, it certainly is. I remember one one year we were driving. We had taken a road trip with the family, uh-huh. so we had gone from like LA to Iowa. It was the it was the year we got engaged. LA to Iowa, Oklahoma, and then back. And we were driving back into LA the night of the fourth. Okay. So it was it was fun because you're hitting all the little towns and you get to see all their, you know, since we're driving back west, right. you get to see all their fireworks displayed. Right. But once we got on like the 605 or so, right. that's when the kids started shooting fireworks at the freeway, at your vehicle. 
and it was like a war zone. And, you know, my wife and my child are asleep in the car, and I'm dodging fireworks in the rented, you know, whatever. Only in L.A. See, in the Twin Cities, we could, we could, I think you still can light off fireworks and stuff. I don't think it's illegal in in St. Paul. And you remember those things that you used to, um, there were the parachute things. You remember those things? Oh, sure, yeah. So it was a, it had a, a square base and then a tubular thing off the base, and you lit the base, lit the little uh, fuse at the base, and this boom thing shot up into the air, and if all went correctly, the chute would open up and, you know, float down harmlessly to the earth. <laughs> With a flaming ember attached to it. <laughs> exactly. Light the shrub on fire and burn the house down. Yeah. Well, I used to, you know, as kids, we used to go run to catch them. You had to be very careful because you're looking, you know, if you're in the street, it's like we should look for cars. All we'll right. Try to find this parachute and catch it. And I went to get it once and a spark came off of it and went right into my eye. Like just, it's just it's nice, big, hot ember right into my eyeball. And, uh, well, that was it. Never, never been the same never, since. Never caught a pair, haven't caught a parachute since. Um, I picked something up, to be honest, speaking of collecting and weirdness and everything else, as some keen listeners probably know, I love Watchmen, I love the film, and when the film came out, um, I don't know who did these contests, but they're, it's pretty well known at this point, there are like a handful, seven or eight premiums, Watchmen premiums, that you can't get anyplace else, that were part of these contests, it has taken me years to track down what I do have. For example, one of the things, I don't have this, but there's a, a Rorschach hoodie. So it's a white hoodie that zips up all the way. So you put the hood like over your head and it zips up all the way on your face. and It's got the Rorschach, the inkblot thing, you know. Um, the other thing, one of the other things is they've got is a pair of uh, sunglasses, night owl sunglasses. And the plastic case that flips shut that the sunglasses are in is shaped like the owl ship. Super cool. I've never been able to find that. The two things I have found, one, Alex managed to track down years ago through someone at DC. There is a, a wristwatch. The face is uh, the owl ship. The, you know, so in other words, you know, the two eyes of the owl ship. I thought I think you brought that. We, we shot yes, it and yeah. put it up on the so side. The two, yeah. the two, and you flip it up, and it's got two different clocks one is the doomsday clock always at like five minutes midnight and the other is you know regular clock the other thing is a keychain of the owl ship it's about a two inch long nice fat silver beautiful premium it's a keychain of the owl ship and it lights up and in out one eye uh is a regular flashlight and out the other eye if you turn if you hit the button the right way projected on the wall is the smiley face with the blood Yep. And, this is, and it comes in a little window box. These are just premiums. These were never available commercially. One of the other bits that was, avail- that was part of this prize package or whatever, they made, yes, they did, a Watchman blue condom in honor of Dr. Manhattan. Oh, my. And it comes in a little, you know, smiley face, like, almost like a matchbook. So you get the smiley face with the blood on the front. You open it up. There's the blue Watchmen, uh, Dr. Manhattan condom, and then the date of the premiere of the movie on the back. Hmm. So I had to get it. 
I'm still missing. I hope you're wearing it right I'm now. Still missing three of the um, of the other pri- prize pieces. So, you know, we're not above taking gifts on the show. Should anyone come across something they want to give me or or us, um, I might as well spill the beans on this. A couple of things are happening that people should know about to get out of my way. One, talked about this before. Barnes and Noble. I kind of, I kind of like, you know, you know, I'm addicted to magazines. You know this. You, we talk about the newsstand all that. the time. Uh, they're going to go away, just like the stuff we're talking about. They're eventually going to go away. So if you like, they haven't already. If you like magazines or you dig the experience, the solitary, you know, life of a, a magazine uh, reader, pick up what, what you can while you can because they're going to go. Also, I think bookstores eventually be a thing of the past. There's a great Barnes and Noble at um, the Grove, you know. 17-story uh, Barnes & Noble. Uh, I don't know how they do it, but they're still, they're still cooking. Lots of great stuff happening. And um, a couple episodes ago, I mentioned they did a thing where you buy one Blu-ray, get the next one half off. Well, right now, until the end of July, all Barnes & Noble, all Criterion DVDs are 50% off. Nice. So run, don't walk, and pick up the Criterion shit because it's great, great, great stuff while you can um, the other thing that's happening next week by the time we speak again, and it's going to be checked off my bucket list, I am going to see KISS live in concert next Tuesday night in L.A. I am going to see the legendary band KISS, 40 years strong, uh, live in concert. Dressed as the Phantom? Dressed as the Phantom. And actually, speaking of Phantoms, uh, Def Leppard is opening up for KISS. Oh, so I'm very excited. Bring, bring some earplugs. Say again? Old man. I said bring some earplugs, old man. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting because if you, you know, it's funny. Uh, I, ne- I never was against Kiss. You know, I'm, I'm for them. I was never a fan as a kid, but I, I liked their stuff. And I, you know, they were certainly a huge part of our childhoods. They were everywhere. But yeah. I eventually picked up like a double disc, you know, greatest hits. And every now and then you kind of go, oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, that's them. They did have some stuff. Boy, there's a lot of like ballads and disco and kind of funk and weird, you know, soft rock in there, too. They're not exactly yeah. ACDC, you know. Right. You know what I mean? They were pretty pretty harmless, pretty family-friendly, you know? Well, they were not considered family-friendly in my household or well, around where I grew not. up. Yes. They were the knights in Satan's service, as you will recall. Oh, really? So, you're, so was it really your folks were kind of... Oh, yeah. Really? Well, what was fun, uh, yeah, well, a buddy of mine, my best friend growing up, Tim, he loved Kiss. Had posters, albums, his brother had everything. You know, really, just really, really dug him. And to this day, still okay. does. Uh, and then the house I grew up in, right behind us, the, the other house, there was an older kid, like a high school kid. So when I was in elementary school, he would go to a crap ton of Kiss shows and take a bunch of pictures, <laughs> and he and he put them into albums. Cool. And whenever he was out in the backyard, I would always ask and to see his albums, and he'd go <laughs> in the house and get them and like hand them over the fence to me, and I just lay in my lawn like flipping through these things, just couldn't believe, you know, because there there's fire and you know, big light up letters and blood, and it was just crazy to me, time. you know. It's my little elementary school self. Yeah. Well, I had a cousin. I had uh, there were brothers, two cousins, uh, Mario and Chico. And uh, and Chico was a big Kiss fan, 
I mean, might still be. I don't know. I haven't spoken to him in you know, 20 years. But he was, I mean, kiss this, kiss that. They were it. He had everything. He had the toys. I had a couple of the toys, but he had everything, you know, and the Halloween cars, makeup. Remember they had makeup kits? Like, oh, yeah. Go to a Kiss concert and do the makeup kit and everything. He had all that stuff. And it was, if he was going to, you know, he's like a year older than me. And if you wanted to kind of get, yeah, oh, yeah? Well, you think, well, who, who would you put up against Kiss? And I'm, here's me at, you know, eight years old with my tube socks up to my knees and Nikes, you know. Uh, Elton like, John? Uh, I would say probably Paul McCartney and Wings. I think that Paul McCartney has uh, done the unthinkable and has managed to follow up the greatest band ever with a... <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> You know, I'm trying to put Lay down, kid. I'm trying to put wings on the playground. You know, to, to go a couple rounds with Kiss, you know, with Gene Simmons, not gonna happen. But um, finally, I faced my demons, so to speak, the demon, Ooh. and uh, I'm gonna see them next week. And also, I remember. Now you're seeing an actual concert, right? You're not going to an arena football show. No, well, I'm seeing Kiss in concert. All right, I'm just it's checking. Happening. Because in L.A., you never know. I'm Half the reason I'm going is to see the fans. I want to see what, who turns up for such things. Um, but I remember, you know, it's funny because we, we all get nostalgic and we go, oh, yeah, I saw that when it aired. Or like, oh, I saw that the day that it came out. And, you know, it's just not possible, some of this stuff. But I, oh, they're shooting again. <laughs> Good. I know specifically. Are you hearing that? Can you hear that? I don't hear that, no. Something. I think the building is on fire. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, I remember Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. I saw that the night it aired. Right? I did too. It wasn't yep. like a repeat. It was like, this was a huge television event. Uh, I planned my week around it. Yeah, it was a big... I was actually able, because uh, the, the night it was on, I was spending the night at my grandparents' house. Ooh. So, you know, you had, they were, they didn't care. Oh, they you know, didn't they care. Were okay, like, oh, they didn't, no, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't know what it was. They were going to hell or anything. That's right. They didn't know who these guys were. So I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to watch this. Well, it's, um, it's quite, it's quite a thing that the Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. Even as a kid, I remember watching it kind of going, rip off. It's just, we're getting <laughs> ripped off. And they dubbed in Simmons' voice. They tried to yep. make him sound like, I don't know. Rosie Greer. I don't know what that was about. There's that, but also, um, do you remember who the bad guy was? Uh, it, it was the uh, yeah. It was it was Paul Huzitz, right? It was Anthony Zerby, who ended up being uh, he was he had a part in one of the Matrix films. as one of the elders. You know this guy. He's been a million yeah, yeah. He was in it, and um, also, if any of you haven't seen this yet, it's got to be on YouTube at this point. If you have not seen the Paul Lind Halloween special, <laughs> yes. you have you truly have not breathed air. You have not lived in any way. Please run to YouTube or wherever you can to watch the Paul Lind Halloween special, which is yeah, very special. so special and and just. Every other shade of shit that you can possibly fathom. But the thing that's most interesting about it that stands out to this day is it's one of the first TV appearances of, of Kiss. It's 1976, yep. and they show up, and I think they do Beth. I think the ballad Beth is already a hit at this point. And, right, uh, right. And they, they show up and, and do that. So, anyway. 
I just remember when Kiss Meets the Phantom just being so shocked when, like, their makeup had powers. Yes! Oh, yes! You know, it's just like Gene Simmons goes, Star Child, and, like, a beam comes up, shaped like a star comes out of his eye. Right. Like, that's crazy. Who knew? I know. Not me. Stuff. You know, I mean, I was sitting there going, is it going to be like Yellow Submarine? Is it going to be like Help? You know, what kind of... It's like, wait, now they're super What kind of adventures, what kind of comedy antics will the boys from KISS get up to? Just like the Beatles. No! They've got superpowers. I don't think you can get that on DVD to this day, can you? I don't know. I've never tried. I sort of uh, abandoned it. By the way... It's in the vault with the holiday... Star Wars Speaking of which, let's just wrap this up by saying this. I don't know what it's going to take for Hasbro or someone to get this shit rolling, but it's like... They just announced a Walgreens exclusive. <laughs> now they've shot my dog, I think. One of my dogs just got shot <laughs> out front. Um, a Walgreens exclusive six-inch black, Star Wars black figure. Which is weird yes. enough that they're doing a Walgreens because there's not a ton of them out there, but apparently they are. The Midwestern, I don't know. And they're doing a repaint. It's the white prototype armor of Boba Fett. Yes. Don't care. Can't tell you how little I give a shit about so much of this stuff. But man, if that was the animated sequence, Boba Fett, first appearance, Boba Fett animated from the holiday special, I'd be I'd be in line right now. Well, I mean, since it's all white, it's kind of a do-it-yourself kit at that well, point. I isn't haven't it? got that kind of time. I'm just saying. Since you know some talented friends. It's possible, but why should I have to do it? Why don't they just do it? Why don't you just acknowledge the holiday special and that animation? And you know what? The new guy they got in the new movie, what's his name? Adam Driver? The guy from yes. Girlfriends? Or Girls, Girls, your favorite show? Does he or does he not look like Star Wars holiday special animated Han Solo? He right? does. He does, He's got yeah, the yeah. nose, the ears. And every character from Aeon Flux. Yes, he does. Or those westerns that they used to run in the afternoon on television where they'd squeeze the beginning because it was so widescreen. Everybody looked real, it was like all squished yeah. in. He's like a squished in Western person, man. Anyway, on that note, um, that's all I got. We got to go. Well, we got to go, but man, we didn't get the much. What time are we talking about? That's got a whole huge list. An hour here. and a half worth of stuff. All right. Well, we we're just going to move stuff Doctor over. Who, we got guardians. We got chef. Star Wars? What more do you want? Listen, we got to leave people to their own device. They got, they got to, we've got to push them out of the nest. You know, we right. want to give them so much. We leave them down. The- I, well, I'm fine. I'm, sorry. I'm just saying we're gonna have to do this again next week and talk about fine. So I'm fine. saying I'll make the time. Promise right. people. I'll, I'll, make I'll time. put it on your calendar. Tell us how much you love what we do. Me specifically, if necessary. You know, give us your notes, give us your comments, give us your your huddled masses. And I didn't even get to my crazy Target story. I don't know. You got to save it for next week. We're done. That's it. We're out. All right. Move on to it. All right. Bye. Bye. Shiny. Let's be bad guys. of nature's deepest mystery.